I just don't know what to do. What do you mean? Like, what do we say? I don't know. Introduce yourself. You introduce yourself. Okay. Okay. <laughs> Welcome to our podcast, True Crimes and Storytimes. I'm Michelle. I'm Kirsten. And I'm back with the True Crime. Pew, pew, pew. Today's research is brought to you by my boyfriend, Austin, because I had to go to school today. I started school this week, and I literally get Friday nights, Saturday nights, and all day Sundays off, so not a lot. Nope. So, I didn't have time to do my research this week. I really was focusing on school. Um, anywho. Shout out to Austin. Shout out to Austin. Today's research is brought by him. He and did a great job. Michelle. Huh? I was going to say shout out to Michelle for going after her dreams and going to school. Hell yeah. Let's get it. <laughs> Anyways. Um, yeah. And also, uh, he did put his commentary throughout this. And I will be reading it because okay. it's hilarious. <laughs> He, me. he always has some some hilarious comments. He really does. He's always the guy to, like, say a comment. Everybody freaking laughs. And yeah. I'm like... How do you think of that stuff? Literally, you say some literally funny shit. hilarious. He's just so funny. Yeah. Okay, let's stop hyping him up. Because I can hear him in my head right now, like, um, stop feeding my ego. I was getting ready to say, he's, his, he already thinks his ego is so large. Literally. He's got such a big ego. He does not. He thinks he does. He thinks he does. But yeah. he doesn't. He just, he thinks like, I don't want you to feed my ego. Yeah. <laughs> it cracks me up. Okay. All right. So today I'm covering the murder of Sylvia Likens. And this whole case is just a massive trigger warning. Um, It's probably going to have to be two parts. And I know we told you guys we would release part twos the same week. But considering I'm going to school and tonight we don't have much time to record. Um, it's already um, what time 8 o'clock tonight. <laughs> so Which this might not part seem two, late to you guys, but like Michelle went to school today. Yeah, I've been up since like 7. And I have kids. Yeah. So. <laughs> so. Late to us. Um, yeah. I'm literally 23 and I act like an old fucking lady. I have to be in the house by like 8 o'clock. Bro, we're not going to be 23 for very much longer. No. Literally a few months, but... I want to cry. <laughs> I don't. Bring on 24. I think 24 is going to be my year, bro. Anywho. Not mine. <laughs> oh my gosh. <laughs> um, Today's case, I'm just putting a massive trigger warning over, and part two will probably re- be released on the next week, just strictly because we don't have enough time to record today, so... We're just still getting into the routine of working around her school schedule, so... Yeah. And once we get in that routine us. and... I start getting a routine for my research a little bit better, or Austin does it and whatnot, because he is going to be helping me. Um, So, yeah, just once we get into a better routine, we'll be able to get back on regular schedule. So, like I said, today's case is on Sylvia Likens. Big trigger warning, if you don't want to hear this, it's like child abuse, sexual abuse, a lot of different things. So, if you can't listen to that, then please... um, Go listen to Kirsten's Storytime episode where she talks about the Halloween movies. Yes. There's a lot of gore. 
in it, but you can't see it, so it's a little bit different. Yeah. <laughs> I don't go into it too much. Right. So, Sylvia Likens was born on January 3rd of 1949. She was the third of five kids. Wow. And crazily enough, she was born between two sets of fraternal twins. Dang. So, yeah. Twins, her twins. Yep. Crazy. So, her older sister, Jenny, suffered from polio, which made one of her legs weaker than the other. And she also wore a steel brace on one leg. Her father was Lester Cecil Likens and her mother, Elizabeth Betty Francis. Okay. The parents were both carnival workers. Carnival. Carnival workers. <laughs> and they would sell candy, beer, and soda at carnival stands all around Indiana in the summer. Oh. Our home state. Oh, shit. They would move around pretty often just because of the circus. Mm-hmm. Um, and the sons would go with them to help with the stand and everything. But the girls would stay home for their safety and both of their parents wanted them to get an education. Okay. So they can move forward with their life. And the girls don't have to do the carnival work ever. Okay. They would pretty much stay with their relatives, but mostly their grandmother. Okay. And the family had a lot of financial difficulties just from the constant moving. I mean, that costs a lot of money to move. Mm-hmm. So the parents' relationship was pretty rocky. I mean, mm-hmm. it was based on foundations of financial insecurity. So that yeah. makes like... A lot of arguments that wouldn't be there if not for the financial insecurity. Right. You know. Mm-hmm. So, now we're going to fast forward to when Sylvia was a teenager. Okay. Um, she would do jobs like babysitting, running errands, iron friends and neighbors clothes, and she would give her mom part of her earnings to help with bills and stuff like we talked about. The family has financial instability. Okay. So, she would later be described as a friendly confident and very lively girl okay she had light brown wavy hair that was below the shoulders and she was actually known as cookie by her friends okay when she smiled she would smile with a closed mouth because she was missing her front tooth Hmm. it had gotten knocked out when she was roughhousing around with her brother sounds like logan yep (laughs) (laughs) um Sylvia loved music, especially the Beatles, um, and she was very protective of her younger sister. So her and her sister would go to the skating rink all the time, and Sylvia would hold her sister's hand to help her skate since she had the weak leg and metal brace. Mm. In June of 1965, Sylvia and Jenny were living with their parents in Indianapolis, Okay. or what we call here in Indiana, Indy. Indy. On July 3rd, their mother got arrested and jailed for shoplifting. I mean, like I said, the Times financial insecurity, yeah. Yeah. So her father still had to travel and try to work while her mom was in jail. Obviously, he can't stop working. He can't stop making money. Mm-hmm. So he decided he would board the girls with a woman named Gertrude Banazuski. Okay. Gertrude was the third of six children, and she saw her father die from a heart attack when she was younger. She dropped out of high school at 16 to marry her first husband, 18-year-old John Stefan Banaszewski. Okay. She ended up having four children with him, and it, it was known that John had a really bad temper, but they were actually together for 10 years before their divorce. Okay. She ended up marrying another man named Edward Guthrie, and this would only last for three months before they got a divorce. Gertrude would go on to remarry her first husband, 
that she was married to previously, John, Mm -hmm. and she had two more kids with him. So six Six kids. kids. And then they ended up getting another divorce not long after. Sounds like they just aren't supposed to be together. No. Then Gertrude had a relationship with a 22-year-old. What the hell? His name was Dennis Lee Wright, and he physically abused her. That name sounds familiar. Yeah, I know. It's weird. Mm -hmm. Henry Lee Lucas is what I think of. I don't know why. Dennis Lee Wright, Henry Lee Lucas. Just the middle name. Also, Mm. my middle name is Lee. Yeah. Anywho. Anyway. (laughs) Maybe I should cut that out. Maybe people shouldn't know my middle name. I don't think that's a big deal. Okay. We're good. We're good, guys. It's okay. Um... So, she ended up having a kid with Dennis. Okay. And by 1965, she had seven children, and she ended up alone. Yikes. She was said to have only weighed 100 pounds. And people described her as haggard, underweight, and asthmatic. Nice. Um, Gertrude was a chain smoker. Mm, We love that. She would do odd jobs to stay afloat, like sewing or cleaning, and... Now you're wondering, okay, so he boarded his daughters with this lady. How did he know her? Mm -hmm. How did Lester know Gertrude? Mm -hmm. Um, The girls, Sylvia and Jenny, were friends with Gertrude's daughters. They all studied at Arsenal Technical High School. Okay. So when they agreed on the boarding, Gertrude promised Lester that she would care for his daughters while he was away. But she had seven kids of her own. Yes. Okay. She said she would care for them as if they were her own children. Remember that? Oh, gosh. Not long after the 4th of July, Sylvia and Jenny moved in with Gertrude. Okay. And Gertrude was supposed to receive a weekly fee of $20 to care for the two girls until Lester and eventually their mother, Betty, would return in November. Okay. So, they weren't even boarding for that long, July Mm -hmm. to November. Yeah. That's really not that long. A few months. Yeah. So, the first few weeks were pretty good for Sylvia and Jenny. There was little to no abuse during this time at all. I'm really afraid of where this is going to go. Yeah. They would even go to Sunday school with Gertrude's other kids. Um, Lester was supposed to pay that $20 a week. Mm -hmm. After about two weeks, the payments stopped being, like, consistent. Mm -hmm. So, sometimes they would arrive one or two days late. They wouldn't always be on the right day. Mm -hmm. So, Gertrude was pissed about this. And she took it out on Sylvia and Jenny. She's like, okay, your dad's not paying the money on time. I'm going to ruin your lives. So, at first, Gertrude started beating their bare butts with different things. And this part, I'm just going to say, like, we might as well just start the trigger warning right here. Because I'm going to just put the trigger warning right here. Sorry, I just had a cough attack. Um, It's just going to start here. So, if you don't want to hear about the abuse or whatnot, please. Well, I'll, I'll see you guys later. Uh, <laughs> peace she out has to stay here. Dang it. Um, so, she started beating their bare butts with different things, like I said. I think I clipped it out, though. So, one of these things would be a quarter-inch thick paddle. That's thick, dude. That's yeah. like... Remember when they used to have paddles in school? Yeah. That used to be a thing, guys. I know you um, young people... Ha- well, also, Can't even this imagine. is Indiana. Yeah. So. But they used to, like, in school, in elementary school, if you mm-hmm. were bad, you literally got sent to the principal's office and got paddled. Yeah. I think I've I'm, never been paddled. I think my mom almost beat a teacher's ass for trying to paddle me. Yeah. How dare a teacher? Yeah. I like no. to see a teacher try to lay a hand on my, co- my kid. So, 
Gertrude would say things to Jenny and Sylvia like, Well, I took care of you two little bitches for a week for nothing. Wow. Um, there was one time that Gertrude beat both girls 15 times on the back with the quarter-inch paddle. Yikes. Like, why? Paula, one of Gertrude's daughters, accused the sisters of eating too much food at a church supper that all the kids had went to. Mm -hmm. Um, so around the middle of August, Gertrude really started to spew more abuse towards Sylvia. And I'm pretty sure, um, Sylvia got in trouble, both of the girls, Sylvia and Jenny, for eating too much food at the church thing. What the heck? Like, they, she beat them for that. For eating too much food. Mm -hmm. Wow. So, I keep saying so. That's okay. It was thought that Gertrude was jealous of Sylvia's youth, her appearance, her respectability, and basically the potential that she would never have. Like, mm -hmm. her life is gone at this point, mm -hmm. you know? Initially, the abuse would happen when Sylvia and Jenny would return to Gertrude's house after attending their Arsenal Technical High School throughout the weekdays, as well as the weekends. Mm -hmm. So, at the time, Sylvia would be beaten, and she was also being forced to starve. Mm -mm. So, you know, when your body goes into starvation, you basically become desperate. And she ended up eating spoiled leftovers from the garbage. Oh, that's horrible. Sylvia was accused of stealing candy when she actually purchased it. Wow. In late August, Sylvia was humiliated by Gertrude and her daughter, Paula. Sylvia had claimed to have a boyfriend in Long Beach that she had met in 1965 when she lived in California. Okay. When Gertrude found out about this boyfriend, she immediately started shunning Sylvia. And she asked Sylvia... If she had ever done anything with a boy. Oh. Sylvia wasn't, like, exactly sure what that meant. That's kind of a broad yeah. statement. And Austin wrote, Sylvia wasn't sure what Gertrude meant with her broad-ass statement. <laughs> <laughs> Sylvia's reply was, I guess so, because, like, she didn't really know what she was talking about. Yeah. But Sylvia went on to describe fond memories of skating with the boys and going to the park and the beach with them. Mm-hmm. And while continuing the talk with Jenny and Stephanie, Sylvia mentioned that she did lay under the covers with her boyfriend once. And Stephanie is another daughter of Gertrude. Okay. So when Gertrude heard Sylvia say this, she was interrogating Sylvia. Mm -hmm. She asked things like, why did you do that, Sylvia? And Sylvia said, I don't know. And then Austin's commentary says, I don't know, Gertrude. Maybe she... Because she liked this boyfriend of hers and wanted to go under the covers with him. Like the fuck? Like the fuck? <laughs> so a few days later, Gertrude decided to tell Sylvia, you're certainly getting big in the stomach. It looks like you're going to have a baby. Oh, God. Sylvia, innocently, innocent, <laughs> oh my gosh, innocently okay. thought that Gertrude was kidding with her. She didn't think she was being serious. So she replied by saying like, yeah, it sure is getting big. I'm just going to have to go on and diet. Like, sarcastically. Yeah. After finding out that Sylvia laid in bed with a boy once, Gertrude decided to tell her and the other girls in the house that whenever they, quote, did something with a boy, that they would be sure to have a baby. Oh. That includes, apparently, laying under the covers, doing nothing. <laughs> Next to a boy. That's right. going to get you pregnant. Yep. So, 
after Gertrude said that, uh, Gertrude kicked Sylvia in the genitals. Yikes. Yeah. And then Paula, who was three months pregnant at this time, started in on Sylvia, too. What the heck? She knocked her out of her chair and onto the kitchen floor. She also shouted at her, you ain't fit to sit in the chair. What the fuck? In a chair, sorry. Mm -hmm. It was also believed that Paula was very jealous of Sylvia's, like, physical appearance because she was a pretty girl. Mm -hmm. On a separate occasion during dinner... Gertrude, Paula, and a neighborhood boy named Randy Gordon Lepper force-fed Sylvia a hot dog topped with tons of mustard, ketchup, and spices. Mm. Um, Sylvia puked it up, and then she was forced to eat the regurgitated hot dog. Again. Oh, God. So, Sylvia didn't really, like, retaliate against anyone normally. But, allegedly, she had spread rumors at the high school that they went to um, that Paula and Stephanie were prostitutes because she was obviously upset with the household, like, singling her out and being abused. Allegedly, though. Yeah, allegedly. Um, Stephanie found out about the rumor and later questioned Sylvia about it after returning home. And Sylvia immediately admitted to starting the rumor. And Stephanie punched her while Sylvia was apologizing in tears. And then Stephanie also began to cry. What the heck? When Stephanie's 15-year-old boyfriend, Coy Randolph, found out about the rumor, he brutally attacked Sylvia. He slapped her and banged her head off a wall, then flipped her backwards onto the floor. And then, when Gertrude found out about the rumor, she beat Sylvia with the paddle again. Mm Mm-mm. So, this girl is just having a rough time right now. Yeah. On another occasion, Paula beat Sylvia so bad that she actually broke her own wrist in the process of focusing her blows on Sylvia's teeth and eyes. Oh, my goodness. And when Paula got cast for her broken wrist, she would use it to beat Sylvia even more. That is insane. Gertrude would go on to accuse Sylvia of being promiscuous and being a prostitute. When she literally didn't do anything wrong. Mm-hmm. She would rant to Sylvia about the filthiness of prostitution and women in general. Gertrude would later force Jenny to strike her own sister. And if Jenny didn't comply, she would be beat herself. Oh my goodness, that's horrible. Stephanie's boyfriend again, Coy, along with some of his classmates, would frequently visit the household to cause physical and mental harm to sylvia with gertrude and her daughters so this is like that's crazy they literally came over just to beat her yep and do other things that we're about to get into oh no (laughs) so these horror sessions became a routine outing for coy and his sick classmates they would use sylvia as a practice dummy for their violent judo sessions during these sessions they would lacerate her body and would go on to burn her skin with lit cigarettes over a hundred times, as well as severely injure Sylvia's genitals. That sounds similar to the Junko Furuta case. Because they would have people come in and out all the time just to abuse her. Literally. That's insane. On one occasion, Sylvia was forced to strip naked and masturbate with a glass Pepsi bottle in front of Gertrude and her teenage accomplices. What the fuck? 
Gertrude stated to everyone that the act of humiliation was for Sylvia to, quote, prove to Jenny what kind of girl you are, end quote. That's in, that is just insane. Gertrude would go on to forbid Sylvia from attending high school after Sylvia confessed to stealing a gym suit from the school due to Gertrude constantly refusing to purchase the clothing for her. For Sylvia's punishment, Gertrude whipped her with a three-inch wide police belt. Yikes. Gertrude then switched her anger to talk about the evils of premarital sex and then repeatedly struck Sylvia in the genitals. During this, Stephanie shouted in Sylvia's defense, she didn't do anything. Gertrude would go on to burn Sylvia's fingertips with matches before further whipping her with the police belt. So at this point, Stephanie is starting to stand up for Sylvia. Yeah, and even though she has beat her before, she's, she's like, kind of starting to realize, gone like, too far. well, I think it went too far before, but I think she wasn't seeing past her jealousy. Mm-hmm. And she was also just trying to follow what her mom was doing. Does that make sense? Like, she was an impressionable child at this time. But now she's gone to the point where she's like... I'm realizing this is very wrong. Enough is enough. Yeah. Yeah. So, a few days later, Gertrude used the same belt to repeatedly whip Jenny after she was reported stealing a tennis shoe from school to wear on her strong foot. Sylvia and Jenny would go on to be very fearful of speaking out about their abuse to family members and staff at school as they believed that speaking out about it would only result in them being abused even more. And at one point, Gertrude threatened Jenny by saying that she would inflict the same abuse upon her as she did Sylvia. Jenny would also go on to experience bullying by girls in her neighborhood in addition to being ridiculed and beaten anytime she would allude to Sylvia's situation. In July and August, whenever their travel schedule allowed them the opportunity, Lester and Elizabeth would return to Indianapolis to visit their daughters. Okay. The last time they visited their daughter was October 5th. At this time, neither daughter showed signs of distress about their situations, and this was basically due to the fact that Gertrude and her children were also present for the visitations, so they couldn't speak up. Mm-hmm. Um, as soon as Sylvia and Jenny's parents had left, Gertrude approached Sylvia and said, quote, What are you going to do now, Sylvia? Now they're gone. End quote. In September, Sylvia and Jenny ran into their older sister, Diana Shoemaker, at a local park. Jenny and Sylvia confided in their older sister, telling her about the abuse and torture that they were experiencing at Gertrude's home. Mm-hmm. Jenny made it a point to point out that Sylvia was being targeted for things that she had never even done and things she didn't say. And unfortunately, the girls didn't give Diana an address, and initially, Diana believed her sisters were exaggerating the claims. Oh my goodness. Yeah. Even if you think they're exaggerating, you should still look into it. Literally. So, a few weeks prior to this incident of them seeing their sister at the park, Sylvia and Jenny ran into Diana at that same park. However, they were both accompanied by 11-year-old Marie, so they were forced to remain silent about the matter. Mm-hmm. Another child of Gertrude. Mm-hmm. And then in September, Marie would go on to reveal that they ran into Diana at the park and that Diana gave a sandwich to Sylvia after she had mentioned she was hungry. Gertrude, after finding this out, accused Sylvia of being a glutton, and then her and Paula would go on to choke and bludgeon her. Oh my god. 
they would subject Sylvia to a scalding hot bath in order to cleanse her of sin. And Gertrude would go on to grab Sylvia by her hair and bang her head against the bath to revive her after she would faint. Oh my goodness. Shortly after this awful incident, the father of a boy named Michael John Monroe called the local high school to anonymously report that a girl living at Gertrude's home had open sores all over her body. After this report, Sylvia hadn't attended school for several days. Mm. And as a result... A school nurse took matters into her own hands and visited East New York Street to investigate these claims. That's not good. Upon visiting Gertrude's home, Gertrude told the nurse that Sylvia ran away from home the previous week and that Sylvia's open sores were a result of her lack of personal hygiene. Yeah, I'm sure. Gertrude told the nurse that Sylvia was a bad influence, not only on her daughters, but her sister as well. Oh my goodness. The school made no further investigations concerning the health and safety of Sylvia. WTF. I don't get it. I don't get it. They still do these things. Mm-hmm. They still do that. Mm-hmm. So the closest neighbors to Gertrude's home were a couple by the names of Raymond and Phyllis Vermillion. They had visited on two occasions, and on both occasions, they witnessed Paula physically abusing Sylvia. Paula had a black eye both times the neighbors were over, and she boasted to the neighbors about basically her abuse towards Sylvia. During the second visit to the home, Raymond and Phyllis noticed that Sylvia appeared extremely meek and somewhat zombified in nature. Understandably so. Knowing all of us, what the neighbors do? Not report shit. Of course not. Because people are too worried about minding their own business i would much rather get into somebody's business and it be nothing than not and then somebody die yeah that's so around october 1st diana discovered her sisters were at gertrude's home Mm -hmm. and she attempted to make contact like she discovered where it was Mm -hmm. Gertrude would refuse to allow Diana in the home and told Diana that when the girls moved there, she was told to never allow her to see her sisters. And then Gertrude told Diana to leave. So she was told that she was never going to see her her sisters. Basically. So a couple weeks later, Diana ran into Jenny near the home and asked about Sylvia's well-being. Jenny told her, quote, I can't tell you or I will get into trouble, end quote. Due to the increase in frequency and brutal nature of the torture she was enduring, Sylvia gradually became incontinent, which means you have no control of your bladder and you leak urine. Mm-hmm. Even though she became incontinent, she was consistently denied access to the restroom, basically forcing her to pee herself. And mm-hmm. On October 6th, as a form of punishment for wetting herself, Sylvia was thrown into the basement and tied up by Gertrude. While in the basement, Sylvia was kept naked, rarely fed, and deprived of water. She was also occasionally tied to the railing of the basement stairs with her feet barely grounded. In the weeks prior to being in the basement, Sylvia was subjected to an increase in abuse and tormentation by Gertrude. 
Gertrude would go on to falsely tell the children in the household that Sylvia was insulting them in hopes that it would cause the other children to belittle and attack Sylvia. That's... I just have no words. So on one occasion, Gertrude held a knife and challenged Sylvia to, quote, fight me back. Likens would reply saying she does not know how to fight. In response to her saying that, Gertrude would go on to scour uh, Sylvia's leg with the knife, basically cut her. Mm -hmm. The only times abuse would stop for Sylvia was when the family sat down for their favorite, favorite TV shows. That's it. Just so it was like a constant thing. Children of the neighborhood would pay five cents apiece to see the display of Sylvia's body and to humiliate, beat, scold, burn, and ultimately mutilate her. That's so sick. While in captivity in the basement, Gertrude, along with her children and the kids of the neighborhood, would restrain and gag her before placing her in the tub of hot scolding water and using salt to rub her wounds <sighs> on another occasion gertrude and her 12 year old son john jr rubbed urine and feces from gertrude's one-year-old son's diaper into sylvia's mouth before giving her a half filled cup of water and informing her that is the only water she would receive for the remainder of the day On October 22nd, John Jr. gave Sylvia a bowl of soup and told her to eat it with her fingers. And then, when Sylvia, who was obviously suffering from extreme malnourishment at the time, tried to eat the soup, John would take the bowl away. And he would continue to torment her. Teasing her. That's crazy. Yep. So Gertrude eventually allowed Sylvia to return back upstairs and i'm sorry i did not mean to laugh but austin's commentary austin's commentary says as if that was a much better place you dumb biatch sorry lol so she would let her upstairs on the condition that sylvia learned to not wet herself even though she, she couldn't control was it incontent. so that same night sylvia told jenny to secretly get her a glass of water Obviously, she needs something to drink. Not going to end good. The following morning, Gertrude saw that Sylvia had peed herself again. And as punishment, Sylvia was forced to enter a Coca-Cola bottle into her vagina in front of Gertrude's children. And then Why? Gertrude ordered her back into the basement. What the fuck, dude? Shortly after this... Gertrude told Sylvia to return to the kitchen and ordered her to strip naked before telling her, you have branded my daughters, now I'm going to brand you. She began carving the words, I'm a prostitute and proud of it, into Sylvia's abdomen with a heated needle. What the actual fuck is wrong with this woman? Gertrude was unable to finish the branding, so she ordered a neighborhood child, 14-year-old, Richard Dean Hobbs to finish the etching while she took Jenny to a nearby grocery store. Hobbs would later insist the brandings were short, light etchings. Sylvia would clench her teeth and moan in pain while this happened. I, I just have no words. Like, I'm just sitting here stunned. Same. 
Sylvia was then led back into the basement by Richard and 10-year-old Shirley, which is another one of Gertrude's children. They then proceeded to use an anchor bolt in an attempt to burn the letter S beneath Sylvia's left breast. What? They applied one section of the loop backwards, and this deep burn scar would resemble the number three. Gertrude would taunt Sylvia about the branding, saying, Sylvia, what are you going to do now? You can't get married now. What are you going to do? Sylvia would reply, I don't know. I guess there is nothing I can do. I just have no words. Yeah. I just, I, 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 yeah. Gertrude would force Sylvia on display in front of the neighborhood children, claiming that Sylvia got the branding from a sex party. Oh, yeah. I'm sure. That night, Sylvia confided to her sister, Jenny, I know you don't want me to die, but I'm going to die. I can tell it. That's so sad. A child. Literally a child. Literally. The next morning, Gertrude woke Sylvia and forced her to write a letter, which was intended to make them believe that Sylvia had run away from Gertrude's home. Just knowing that you're going to die, that is just gut-wrenching. Literally. The letter was also intended to frame a group of anonymous local boys for abusing and mutilating Sylvia after she had initially agreed to engage in sexual relations with them before they inflicted the extreme abuse and torture upon her. If this woman doesn't rot and get what's coming to her, I'm going to be absolutely furious. After Sylvia finished writing the letter, Gertrude finished formulating her plan to have John Jr. and Jenny blindfold Sylvia and then take her to a wooded area known as Jimmy's Forest and leave her there to die. I hope that doesn't happen. Sylvia was then again tied to the stair railing of the basement and then offered crackers to eat, to which she refused and said, give it to the dog. I don't want it. Gertrude forced the crackers into her mouth and her and John Sr. would then beat her, particularly in the stomach this time. On October 25th, Sylvia overheard Gertrude and John Sr. planning to abandon her to die. After hearing this, she made an attempt at escaping the basement. She attempted to actually run through the front door, but she was too injured and weak. She'd been mm -hmm. malnourished. Um, Gertrude caught her before she could escape. Mm -hmm. Sylvia was then given crackers, but she couldn't eat them because she was so fucking dehydrated. Mm -hmm. Gertrude forced crackers again in her mouth and beat Sylvia in the face with a curtain rod until it was bent into right angles from the force. Wow. Coy Hubbard then took the rod from Gertrude and struck Sylvia one more time, rendering her unconscious. And then Gertrude dragged her back to the basement. This is insane. That evening, Sylvia desperately attempted to alert neighbors by screaming for help and hitting the walls of the basement with a spade shovel. One immediate neighbor would later inform police that she had heard the commotion and had identified it as coming from the basement of Gertrude's house, but that as the noise had suddenly ceased at 3 a.m., she decided not to inform the police about the disturbance. There's so many people, if they would have just spoke up, they could have prevented most of these, this from happening. Yep. On the morning of October 26th, Sylvia was unable to speak intelligibly or correctly coordinate movement of her limbs. 
Gertrude moved Sylvia into the kitchen and propped her back against a wall. So then she attempted to feed her a donut and a glass of milk. What? Why? Why she now? She threw Sylvia to the floor out of frustration and she was frustrated with Sylvia just because she couldn't move the glass of milk to her lips because her body's shutting down because she's being beaten so badly and she also badly. got beat in the face multiple times um gertrude returned sylvia back to the basement of course she did sylvia became delirious repeatedly moaning and mumbling paula asked her to recite the english alphabet but sylvia couldn't get past the first four letters or lift herself up off the floor Paula then verbally threatened her to either stand up or she would perform a long jump upon her. Gertrude then ordered Sylvia to clean herself up after she had defecated. That afternoon, several of Sylvia's other tormentors gathered in the basement. Sylvia jerkingly moved her arms in an attempt to point at the faces of the tormentors she recognized, making statements as, you're Ricky and you're Gertie before Gertrude shouted, shut up, you know who I am. Minutes later, Sylvia unsuccessfully attempted to bite into a rotten pear she had been given to eat, stating she could feel the looseness in her teeth. Upon hearing this, Jenny replied, don't you remember, Sylvia? Your front tooth was knocked out when you were seven. Jenny then left Sylvia in the basement to perform gardening chores for neighbors in the hopes of earning some spending money. In an attempt to wash Sylvia, a laughing John Jr. sprayed her with a garden hose brought to the house that afternoon by Randy Leper at Gertrude's request. Sylvia again attempted to exit the basement but collapsed before she could reach the stairs. Gertrude would then stomp upon Sylvia's head before standing and staring at her for several moments. After 5.30 p.m. that same day, Richard Hobbs returned to Gertrude's residence and immediately went to the basement. He slipped on the wet basement stairs and fell heavily onto the floor of the basement to be confronted with the sight of Stephanie crying and cuddling Sylvia, emaciated and lacerated body after she had been ordered by her mother to clean Sylvia. Stephanie and Richard then decided to give Sylvia a warm, soapy bath and dress her in new clothes. They then laid her upon a mattress in one of the bedrooms as Sylvia muttered her final wish that her daddy was here and that Stephanie would take her home. That's so sad. Stephanie then turned to her younger sister, Shirley, exclaiming, Oh, she'll be all right. I don't think so. When Stephanie realized that Sylvia wasn't breathing, she attempted to apply mouth-to-mouth -mouth resuscitation as Gertrude kept shouting to the children in the house that Sylvia was faking her death. Sylvia was just 16 years old when she finally succumbed to her injuries. Gertrude beat Lycan's corpse with a booking, shouting, Faker! Faker! in order to rouse her. At this point, Gertrude panicked and she told Richard Hobbs to call the police from a nearby payphone. I mean, what did she expect? Literally. Like, what? I, I, I don't under what she, I don't understand what she expected either. I don't, like, I don't I'm almost get it. in tears, like, reading this shit, because yeah. it's so hard. Like, she was 16. She didn't Do you really think it. she's faking her death? Literally. You literally 
beat the shit out of her. Yeah. Her body began to shut down. It cannot yeah. function because of how injured it was. Literally. It's what did so you bad. expect from beating her? Literally. To her to be fine? No. You're literally an idiot if you think that she's faking. So, when police first arrived at the house around 6.30, Gertrude led the officers to Sylvia's emaciated, beaten, and mutilated body lying on a soiled mattress in the bedroom. You know, when you die, everything comes out. So, yeah. Gertrude handed the officers the letter that she had previously forced Sylvia to write. I hope they don't buy into this bullshit. Clutching a Bible, Paulo stated to all present in the household that Sylvia's death was meant to happen. Then looked at Jenny and calmly stated, quote, if you want to live with us, Jenny, we'll treat you like our own sister, end quote. After Jenny just watched them beat her sister and torture her sister to fucking death. And clutching a Bible and saying it was meant to fucking happen. No, you forced it to happen. You... Sick you fucker. did this the whole house all of them are fucking sick dude so as previously instructed by gertrude jenny recited the rehearsed version of events leading to sylvia's death to police before whispering to the officers you get me out of here and i'll tell you everything the formal statement provided by jenny prompted officers to arrest gertrude paula stephanie and John Jr. on suspicion of Sylvia's murder within hours of the discovery of her body. The same day, Cora Hubbard and Richard Hobbs were also arrested and charged with the same offenses. The three eldest of Gertrude's children, plus Coy Hubbard, were placed in the custody of a nearby juvenile detention center, and the younger children and Richard Hobbs were detained at the Indianapolis Children's Guardian Home. So they were all arrested, children as well. Yep. All were held without Good. bail, pending trial. Good. I I don't care if they were kids. I don't. I don't. I don't care. Nope. They did it too. Mm-hmm. So Gertrude denied any involvement in Sylvia's death. Oh my! Although fuck. by October twenty seventh, she had confessed to having known the kids, particularly her daughter Paula and Coy Hubbard had physically and emotionally abused Sylvia, stating, quote, Paula did most of the damage, and Coy Hubbard did a lot of the beating, end quote. Gertrude admitted to having forced Sylvia to sleep in the basement on approximately three occasions when she had wet the bed. She had become evasive when one offer stated that the likely reason Sylvia had become incontinent were her mental distress and injury to her kidneys. Mm-hmm. Without any remorse, Paula signed a statement admitting to have repeatedly beaten Sylvia on the backside with her mother's police belt, once breaking her wrist on Sylvia's jaw, and inflicting other acts of brutality, including pushing her down the stairs into the basement two or three times and inflicting a black eye. And that's not even the half of it. No. John Jr. admitting to have spanked Sylvia on one occasion adding that most of the time I use my fist to abuse her. Oh my goodness. That's not spanking, you dumbass. He also admitted to having burned Sylvia with matches on several occasions, adding that his mother had repeatedly burned the child with cigarettes. Five other children in the neighborhood who had participated in Sylvia's abuse, Michael Monroe, Randy Lepper, 
Darlene McGuire, Judy Duke, and Anna Sisko had also been arrested by October 29th. As they should. All were charged with causing injury to a person, and each was released into the custody of their parents under subpoena to appear as witnesses at the upcoming trial. So, for their testimony, they were released to their parents. Because they didn't have near as much Mm -hmm. to do with it Mm -hmm. as the other people that they're trying to to get. They They had had stuff to do with it. They're just as guilty. But But it wasn't near as much. But in order for them to be released, they had to appear in court. Yep. To testify. Yep. So... Sylvia's autopsy was revealed, and it revealed that she had suffered an excess of 150 separate wounds across her entire body, in addition to being extremely emaciated at the time of her death. Her injuries included burns, severe bruising, and extensive muscle and nerve damage, and her vaginal cavity was almost swollen shut. All of her fingernails were broken backwards. Most of the external layers of her skin on her face, breast, neck, and right knee had peeled or receded. She had evidently bitten through her lips, partially severing sections of them from her face. The official cause of Sylvia's death was listed by coroner Dr. Arthur Keeble as a subdural hematoma due to her receiving a severe blow to her right temple. Both the shock she had primarily suffered due to the severe and prolonged damage inflicted to her skin and subcutaneous tissues, plus the severe malnutrition were listed as contributory factors to her death. Rigor mortis had fully developed at the time of the discovery of her body, indicating Sylvia may have been deceased for up to eight hours before she was found. Wow. Although Dr. Keeble did know Sylvia had been recently bathed, possibly after her death, and that this act could have hastened the loss of body temperature and sped up rigor mortis. So she was probably already dead when they bathed her. Yep. The funeral service for Sylvia was conducted at the Russell and Hitch Funeral Home in Lebanon, Indiana, on the afternoon of October 29th. And more than 100 people were in attendance at her ceremony. After her service, she was laid to rest at the Oak Hill Cemetery, and her headstone is inscribed with the words, Our Darling Daughter. But y'all weren't there to take care of her. You put her in the hands of these people that killed her. Literally. And that's where we're going to cut it off for today. I just wanted to get through all of the abuse and really, really hard stuff to get through. And on part two will be the um, the trial. trial and all that, all the legal proceedings and everything. That was tough. That was probably one of the worst cases I've ever read. That was tough. Yeah. I was about to bawl my eyes out in the middle of it. My whole body is tense right now. Yeah, it was terrible. Um, That's insane. I'll be thinking about that for a few days, for sure. Yeah, that's going to... More than a um, few days. That'll be on lock in my brain for forever. Yeah. Um, I'll never forget this case. Ever. Thank you, Austin, for doing my research. We appreciate it. Yeah. Anyways, 
this case honestly has me speechless. Um, so all I'm going to say is RIP to Sylvia. Mm-hmm. I hope she rests in peace. And Gertrude, you dumb bitch. I hope you rest in turmoil and you rot. I hope you're dead. Yeah. Actually, I hope she's more than dead. I hope she's being tortured in the afterlife. I hope she's murdered. Mm. Anyway. I hope she rots mm. wherever she is in the ground and mm-hmm. alive. Whatever. Anywho, um, if you have any case suggestions, DM us on social media. Link mm-hmm. in the show notes. Um, if you have any stories you want us to tell on the pod, DM us. Or send us an email. Again, link in the show notes. Um, and that's really all I have to say. Like, I'm honestly, I can't speak anymore. I'm ready to go. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm, like, I just don't know what to say. Like, I'm honestly blown away at the amount of abuse and torture that this girl went through at 16 years old. Yeah. Um, yeah. We'll also, to Gertrude's daughters, yeah, I hope you're rotting. So, anywho... We'll see you guys in the next one. Thanks for listening. Bye.